Acts 12 and verse number 1. The Bible said, Now about the time Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church, and he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quintarian of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in prison, and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up. Up, saying, Arise, go quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself and bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he saith unto him, Cast thy garment about thee and follow me. And he went out and followed him and wist not that it was true which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. When they were past the first and second ward, they came unto the iron gate that leadeth into the city, which opened to them of his own accord, and they went out and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectations of the people of the Jews. And when he had considered the things, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. Father, we want to thank you for the word of God, the privilege of prayer, and for the Holy Spirit. And I pray now, God, that you'll give us liberty and vocabulary. Help us tonight or this morning to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And God, do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And we'll give you the praise, the honor, and the glory for it all. For we do love you and we ask in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I want to preach out of verse number 10 here. I want you to notice the Bible says, and when they were past the first and second ward, they came unto the iron gate that leadeth into the city, which opened to them of his own accord, and they went out and passed through one street. Notice here that Peter is in prison. And when you think about uh, the text and the situation that Peter is in, Peter is in what seems like to be an impossible situation. Herod, uh, uh, the, uh, the Bible talks about in verse number one, two has already killed James and now uh, he is seeking to kill Peter. He has cast him into prison and because of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, this is the 11th Easter uh, that has taken place since our Lord's resurrection and so because of this holiday uh, Peter uh, or Herod has chosen to leave Peter in prison until it is over with. But now Peter's, uh, uh, the Herod has the intentions of taking Peter's life so uh, Peter has less than 24 hours to live. James has died and it looks like Peter is going to die. If you remember, Jesus told Peter that he would die a martyr's death. And so Peter is inside prison here thinking that he is going to die. And the Bible tells us that he finds assistance here through this angel that comes and, and brings him out of, of this prison. The Bible said in verse number 10 that he goes past the first ward, then past the second ward, and then he passes through the iron gate. That's what the Bible says is in verse number 10. So these gates here represent something. These checkpoints, these gates, what do they represent? Well, I would say to this morning that they represent gates of imprisonment. But Peter is certainly in prison. What they would do is they would take and they would build an inner court. They would build a wall and they would put a checkpoint or a gate there and that would be the inner dungeon or the inner prison. And that would be the first ward. And then they would build another wall on the outside and they would have a second 
second ward and there would be another checkpoint or another gate and then finally they would build that final wall uh, on the perimeter of that prison uh, uh, that they would be on and there would be the iron gate and the Bible said that the iron gate here is what led out of the prison into the city. So if you see the picture, Peter is in these gates of imprisonment and then Peter is also uh, sees these as gates of iron. This final gate is a gate of iron. But they're more than that. I want to say this morning they are gates of impossibility. And what I mean by that is that Peter is in a situation that he cannot get himself out of. Amen. Amen. You think about all the impossibilities in Peter's life while he's inside this prison. It's amazing. You say, preacher, what do you mean? Well, there's the quartarian of soldiers. That's an impossibility. He's shackled each hand. is shackled to a soldier. There's two other soldiers that are guarding him. They would guard for uh, throughout the, the 12 hours of daytime and then they would interchange and four new soldiers would come in and would reshackle him to other soldiers and then uh, he would have a fresh set of soldiers through the third and the fourth watch of the night and so that's an impossibility. He cannot escape the soldiers and then there's the sentence of death. And listen, I believe the church prayed for James uh, but James is dead, amen? And that's got to be running through Peter's mind to some degree that they prayed for James and James died and they may be praying for Peter, but it does not guarantee that he's not going to die. In fact, I'm not even sure they were praying Peter out of prison. You say, well, preacher, they prayed and he got out and they may have prayed. But if you look back through the prayers of the early church, you know what? They never prayed to get out of anything. You know what they prayed for? That's our mentality. We live in a day when everybody wants to escape everything. They want to get out. When can I get out of this storm? When can I get out of this prison? When can I get out of this situation? That's not the way the early church prayed. They didn't pray to get out of nothing. In fact, in Acts chapter 16, when that Philippian jailer drew that sword out and would have killed himself, Paul had two opportunities. He had an opportunity for himself, that was to let that man commit suicide and get out of prison. Or he had an opportunity to help that man and save both his life physically and spiritually. You know what Paul did? He put the sinner in front of himself, amen. Paul didn't try to get out of prison. In fact, he cried out, do thyself no harm for we're all here, amen. They never prayed to get out of anything. You say, well, preacher, what did they pray for? They prayed for boldness, uh, to stand in adversity. They prayed for courage, amen. They prayed, I think they were praying for Peter that he would be bold in his hour of death, that he would stand, uh, that he would would, uh, be faithful to the end. That's what the early church prayed for. So there's the impossibility of the soldiers. There is the impossibility of his sentence. He looks like he is going to die. There's the impossibility of these shackles. Both of his hands are shackled to soldiers. And then there's the impossibility of these gates. Doesn't look like Peter can get out. You ever been in an impossible situation? Or look like you could never get out? Things would never work out. I want to tell you something. God specializes in working an impossible situation. I want to preach a few minutes this morning on this subject, on passing through the gates of impossibility. Passing through the gates of impossibility. 
You see, Peter found two assistants in this text that helped him to get through the gates of impossibility. He found assistance from heaven as the angel came down. He found assistance on earth as the church prayed for him. Do you realize Peter's in an impossible situation, but he's got help from heaven and he's got help from earth, amen? He's got the church praying for him and he's got heaven working on his behalf. And can I tell you, there's nothing greater than to be right with God and being a good, uh, listen, fundamental local New Testament church uh, and knowing that you got brothers and sisters that'll pray for you and knowing that you got heaven working on your behalf, uh, even though the situation may look impossible, do you realize uh, God does impossible things through the church, amen? You think about the world, nothing impossible happens in the world for the world. Sinners today, backsliders out in the world, they face adversity, they face problems, but they don't get out of the situations that they're in. We that are saved, we still get sick, we still get cancer, we still have family problems, home problems, we, we still suffer, we still walk through valleys, uh, we still have problems. The Bible says it rains uh, on the just and the unjust, uh, but the difference between us and the world uh, is that in our impossible situations, we've got assistance from heaven and we've got the prayers of the saints, amen? I'm telling you, I'm glad I belong to the church, amen. I'm a church man. I thank God for the church. I couldn't make it without the church. I'm glad Jesus saved my soul. I'm glad he put me in a local New Testament church because, brother, there's been a lot of impossible things happen in my life as a result of being in church, amen. I don't know about you, but I need the church. Nothing takes the place of the church. Brother, I know that you say, well, Christ is, uh, Christ is first and foremost, and he is. Uh, but I'll remind you, Jesus died for the church, uh, and the church is his bride. Uh, and here on earth, uh, the closest thing that we can, the uh, closest place we can be to heaven's gates uh, is inside the church. Uh, thank God for the church. Uh, we get help from heaven, uh, and we get help from the church. Uh, where would I be if it wasn't for God? Uh, and where would I be if it wasn't for God's church? Uh, and Peter finds himself uh, in a situation he can't get out of but he's got the prayers of the saints and he's got the assistance of heaven that's going to help him pass through the gates of impossibility. Do you know when people get slack or get out of church things don't get better in their life. They get worse. And what I would say to every one of us tonight is, or this morning, I don't know why I keep thinking it's night, amen. Uh, but you know what? It's just, listen, I, I would say to us this morning be faithful to church. Amen. Amen. Tithe to your church. You say, preacher, you've been saying that a lot. It's not, it's not that we need the money. Amen. God has been good to us. We're not a rich church by no means, but listen, I'm not wanting to dig in your pocketbook. I think you know me better than that. I'm just telling you there's a blessing in giving. Amen. God blesses the gift and God blesses the giver. I'm just simply saying, invest in your church. Invest your time. Invest your tithe. Invest your talents. Pray for your church. Be faithful to the house of God. Don't lay out a church and don't miss church when you know you should be here and you could be here, put forth the effort. You say, why? Because you need the church, amen. Your children needs the church. Your companion needs the church. Your home needs the church. You need the church. I need the church. And what I see here is this church is making prayers. Notice verse number five. The Bible said, Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church, uh, uh, of the church unto God for him. The church is praying for Peter. Now here's what I noticed about the church this morning. If you and I are going to pass through the gates of impossibility, it'll take heaven's assistance and it'll take the prayers of the church. 
If you and I get out of the situations we're in, it'll take the prayers of the saints. How did Peter do it? I see, first of all, the church is in peril in verses one and two. James has, has been murdered. He has been killed by Herod. Herod had been married 10 times. He was the grandson of the Herod that slew the babies there in Bethlehem when Jesus was born. He's the father of Herod Agrippa that Paul would stand before and testify. He's a man that, that my friend has no morals. He has no, he has no decency, no integrity. He saw that killing James pleased the Jews and Herod was nothing more than a puppet on the string for the Jews and the Romans. He was all about political gain and about himself. So what does he do? He reaps havoc on the church. Uh, I'm gonna tell you, there's always somebody gonna reap havoc on the church. Isn't that right? There's always somebody gonna stand against the church. Uh, there's always somebody gonna fight against the church. I, I'm talking about out there in the world. I'm talking about sinners. Uh, but thank God the church will prevail, but God uses the perils in the church to make us stronger, amen? You know, I would love to pastor a church and never have another problem and I'm sure you'd love to go to a church and never have another problem. Isn't that right? But the perils come in our life. Perils come in our church. Perils come in our homes, our families. In fact, I've never seen a time when more families are going through perils than the day we're living in right now. Good families, families that love God, families that are serving Jesus, but yet perils come. Why doesn't God take all the, the problems, the perils out of our life? You know why? Because they make us stronger if we look to him. They make us stronger if we keep our eyes on him. You know, sometimes in, in life we face situations as a church that, that sometimes weakens the body, but if you just hang in there, guess what? It'll get stronger, amen? Sometimes things happen in the church and we go through lulls, don't we? I mean, we sometimes we have, we have times of harvest time and reaping and God is blessing the church and, and then there's times where there's lulls and, and we've seen those things come and go, but it's the steadfastness, it's the faithfulness, it, it's staying with the Bible and the word of God. It's going to work week after week and raising your family and staying where God puts you. Don't let the perils in your home, the perils in your life, uh, the perils on the job, don't let that weaken you spiritually, but stay strong in the Lord, amen? Let your faith be stronger now than it ever has been. Uh, you say, well, preacher, I just don't know how to do that. I'll tell you how to do it. Get on your knees uh, and get in the Bible, amen? And if you'll stay on your knees and stay in the Bible, uh, you'll get through the perils uh, that we have to face, amen? I see the church in peril in verses one, two, three, and four. They lock Peter up. It looks like the church is losing in this chapter and Herod's winning. Wouldn't you agree with me this morning? James is dead. Peter is, prison, is in prison and Herod's political status, his poll has never been higher. It looks like the church is losing. Oftentimes it looks that way. But God will let us pass through the gates of impossibility. You can go home and read it later, but when you get to the end of this chapter, guess what? Peter's out of prison. Listen, Herod is dead, and the word of God grows and multiplies, and the next chapter starts the greatest, the first, but one of the greatest missionary journeys that's ever been started. 
You say, what happened, preacher? I'll tell you what happened. When, when the church prays, it doesn't matter if all hell stands against the church. When the church prays, guess what? Heaven always wins and hell always loses. Amen? Daniel prayed for 21 days and it looked like nothing was happening, but guess what? When that angel got to Daniel, he said in chapter number nine, he said, Daniel chapter 10, he said, whenever you pray, the first time you pray, your prayer was heard, but the king of Greece withstood me. But I'll tell you what he said, a God called in reinforcement and he said, we prevailed. Amen? Heaven always wins when the church prays and hell always loses. So I see the church in peril and then I see the church in prayer. As the Bible said in verse five, that Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. You see, the church prayed unified. Amen? They prayed together and then they prayed specifically. They prayed for Peter. Isn't that right? And then they prayed in faith, believing that God would do what was best and that God's will would be accomplished in their life, amen. Someone said that real prayer is grasping the hand of God and never letting go. And that is what real prayer is. Prayer is when you get a hold of God and say, God, I will not be denied. I'm not twisting God's arm or his hand. You know that we cannot do that. But what I'm doing is laying hold of God and saying, God, thy will be done. I will not quit praying until I see your hand move in this situation. However it be, may thy will be done. God knows what's best in our life. I'll tell you the perseverance of prayer is seen in this text here that the church, just because James is dead, they don't quit praying for Peter. I see the church in peril, the church in prayer, and then the church is in progress. You say, what do you mean? Well, the Bible said in verse number six that when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. Now, what about Peter sleeping? Three times in the Bible you find Peter sleeping. On the Mount of Transfiguration, he fell asleep in all that glory. Had he stayed awake, him and James and John, they would have understood what Calvary meant. Then you see Peter asleep in the Garden of Gethsemane. In an hour when Jesus needed him the most, Peter goes to sleep like a good Baptist, doesn't he? And then you think about now, Peter is sleeping, but this is different. This is not a casual sleep. This is not a sleep where Peter is straying from God, but there's peace. Peter is in prison. He's got this sentence on him. It looks like there's no way out. So if it's his last day on earth, he might as well not spend the whole day or the whole night sitting up worrying about Herod and worrying about dying and going to glory. He pillows his head between two soldiers and he goes to sleep like a baby. You know how he could do that? It wasn't in Peter's strength. You know how he could do that because one verse above that the church had been praying for him amen and while Peter's asleep that angel comes uh, he smokes him that means he gently bumps him he wakes him up uh, he tells him to put his clothes on uh, and he begins to take him out can I tell you something that's happening in, in verses 6, 7 and 8 God's a working behind the scene the church is praying but they cannot see what God is doing in Peter's life but they're praying on anyhow amen you know, sometimes you just got to pray when you don't see the progress. They, they're, they're meeting down at John Mark's and his mother's house praying, and they, as far as they can see, nothing is happening. You ever prayed, and as far as you can see, nothing is happening? They're praying for Peter, but they don't know this is going on. See, when we pray, we don't know what God's doing. We can't see 
how God's working. And sometimes we can see some things. God will let us see God working in people's lives, but much of our praying is spent in time when we can't see what the outcome is gonna be. We can't even see the progress that's being made sometimes, but we have to be faithful because prayer is not about what we see. Prayer is about what we don't see, amen? It takes faith in prayer. You say, oh, but preacher, I'm praying and I'm asking God, but my situation, it just looks so impossible. Well, that's because you can't see the progress of your prayers. One day you'll see those, but you can't see what God's doing right now. But rest assured, just like in the Bible here where we read this morning, just because you can't see it, it doesn't mean God ain't doing something, amen? Just because you're not there, it doesn't mean God isn't working on on your behalf. I'm saying this morning that the church is in progress because the church is in prayer, amen? You know, there ought to be some impossible situations in our lives that we're praying about. You ought to be asking God this morning to do some things that is beyond your control. I see the church in peril, the church in prayer, the church in progress. I also see the church in power. Because what the church can't see in verse 10 is that Peter is passing through these gates. I see Peter, that angel's taking him. He comes to that first ward and he walks through it. Well, he's still not out of prison, but he's closer to getting out than what he was. Isn't that right? You know how God answers prayer sometimes? Sometimes God answers prayer like you just pray and boom, right there it is. Y'all ever seen that happen? I've had it happen a few times in my life. Now, some people want you to think it happens all the time. I don't believe that. Doesn't mean that God can't, but God don't do that in our life all the time. It is, if, if God answered it every time, Brother Danny, every time I prayed, if God just answered right then and right there, you know what I'd think? i think God was nothing more than a bellhop in my mind. You saw, preacher, I, I wouldn't think that way. Oh, you're made the same stuff I am. Our flesh would take it for granted. So God never answers prayer the same way, does he? Sometimes we pray and God does it right then. Sometimes we pray, and by the way, some prayers are not answered because they have, God, they, they have to make the right decisions on the other end. Isn't that right? We can pray, but they've got to do what's right. But doesn't mean God isn't going to work and, and put them in opportunities and, and work in their life. But so you know how God answers prayer? Sometimes it's instantly, but sometimes it's like this. It's in stages. You ever prayed about something and know it wasn't answered, but you saw it start looking better? Amen. Peter's still in prison when he gets past that first ward. But you gotta admit, things look a whole lot better walking through that first gate than what it did shackle to two soldiers. Peter's walk, they can't see it, but God's a working in stages. Can I tell you, sometimes when we pray, that's how God works. I was praying about someone, uh, it's, it's been a while, for, for a couple of years, I've been praying about a situation, nothing has changed until just the other day. The situation is still the same, but I saw just a little something that was just a little glimmer of hope. You know what it let me know? It let me know that the tide was turning just a little bit. It let me know that God was working. Been a lot of days I'd pray about it and the devil said, oh, that ain't 
never going to change. That ain't never going to happen. I'll tell you, I saw something the other day. It encouraged my heart. And you know what it encouraged me to do? It encouraged me to just keep on praying. Amen. You say, what happened, preacher, when things changed a little bit? I'll tell you what happened. We got through the first gate. Amen. We walked through the first ward. But that isn't where he stopped at. He got through the second ward. Amen. I'm going to tell you, y'all just keep on praying because there's power in prayer. Don't let up. Don't give in. Don't give out. Just keep on asking God. Be faithful about that. You'll get through the first gate. You'll get through the second gate. And guess what? Then you come to the iron gate. You know what I believe? I don't believe God swung that gate open long before Peter got there. He walked through that first ward. Then he got through that second ward and he could see that iron gate, Brother Lanny. That's the big one. You get through there, you're home free. You get through there, their prayers have been answered. Sometimes we see God working. He's getting us through those problems. He gets to that iron gate. You know what I believe? I don't believe that gate has swung open long before. If that gate would have opened up, no telling who would have walked through it. But that gate wasn't but for nobody but Peter. And when Peter got to that gate, guess what? He probably thought to himself, how's that angel going to get me through here? I mean, I just walked through these other two, these checkpoints. But how am I going to get through that iron gate? I can't walk through that gate by myself. And Peter had no idea, and the angel didn't tell him. You know, that's the way God works. He don't tell us. He, he puts us on a need-to-know basis. God don't map everything out and say, now here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this. No, he don't do that. He might be a, some exceptions to that, but that ain't how he works. He's living by faith. Peter could have looked at that gate and said, oh, wait a minute. I, I might as well turn around and go back. Put them shackles on before they find me and really do something to me. Do you know what happened? When he got to that gate, the Bible said that gate opened by its own accord. Amen. When he got to that, hey, you think going to Walmart and them gates opening up is a big deal? That ain't where that started. It started in the Bible. He come to that gate, and I mean, it just opened up as to say, go on, Peter. You know, that's the way God does in prayer. If you'll keep on praying... Hey, there's power. You know what the power was that operated that gate? That, that power that, that that gate hinged on was the power of the church praying. While they were praying, Peter passes through that gate. You may be here and say, well, preacher, i got some impossible things in my life. Well, I'll tell you what, you'll find it, that God answers prayer through the church. You stay with the church. You stay with God. You stay faithful. You keep on praying. And you have people praying for you because that's the only thing that gets any of us in it, in, through this walk of life. None of us can stand up this morning and say well I've got a good home I've got a good family because of this or because of that no I'm going to tell you something God answers prayer not based on merit but on mercy friend and the only reason you and I are still sitting in the house of God this morning it's not because we popped a do better pill or we're listen we took a shot of be nice or something like that it's not because of the works of our flesh it's not because of anything that we have done but thank God somebody prayed for me and somebody's prayed for you there's people praying for you that you don't even know about and thank God that may be the glue or that is the glue that holds everything together in our life. And Peter walks through that gate. The power. Oh listen, I would say if there's anything we need to get a hold of in 2020, we need to get a hold of the power of prayer. This morning I see the church in perseverance. Let me give you this. Look at verse number 12. 
And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John. Notice this. Whose surname was Mark. Now watch this. Where many were gathered together praying. When Peter gets out, you know where he finds the church? Still praying. They had prayed the night through for Peter. The fourth watch of the night, as we sing that old song many times, somebody prayed for me. Somebody got on their knees. You young people this morning, somebody's praying for you. Your parents are praying for you. Your pastor's praying for you. Your pastor's wife is praying for you. Your Sunday school teacher's praying for you. Others, members of this church, is praying for you. Hey, mom and dad, this morning, stay faithful to God. You may be here and say, well, preacher, you just, you just don't know what I'm facing, what I'm doing. No, I don't know this morning. And if I do know, I still don't know what you feel like and what you're going through, but I know somebody who knows everything. I know somebody who not only knows everything, but he feels everything. He's already been touched. Before you could be touched with whatever it is you're going through, he's already been touched. You'll ne- you and I will never go through anything in life that what Christ hadn't already been through it. He faced it all at Calvary. He bore the burden of every sin and every suffering, every storm and every temptation, every trial that we'd ever face in life and he can be touched. I'm glad we have a high priest that can be touched with a feeling of our infirmities. You'll never hear God say, well, I don't understand or I don't know what you're going through. No, he he can sympathize. He's been there. He understands what you're facing. But my friend, if you're gonna make it through whatever it is you're going through, the gates of impossibility, you're gonna have to have the church praying for for you. I've watched this down through the years. I've watched people when problems come in their life. You got two kinds of people this morning when problems come. They cling to the church. They run to the church and they say, I need y'all to pray for me. Pray pray for my family. Pray for my home. Pray Pray for this. Pray for that. They claim those problems push them deeper into the church. And then I've seen the others, and you have too. When problems come, when problems come, it's not a time to start missing Sunday school. Amen? When problems come, you say, well, preacher, I got hit financially hard. That's not a time to quit tithing. You say, well, preacher, you know, my son, my daughter, and I understand that your faithfulness to God. If God's going to honor and reward anything, it'll be your faithfulness. You know, this morning I think about this. I have nowhere else to go. I have nothing else to turn back to this morning. How about you? I don't want nothing they got out there. The world has nothing to offer me this morning. All the silver, all the gold, all the things. I'm going to tell you something. The further you go down life's road, the more you realize you don't need half the things you even have. Just a place to lay your head down at night. I thank God for a good place to lay my head, don't you? I thank God for for the food that he provides me with, family. A lot of things in life, they're just things. They rust, they get mothed, eat some dust. In fact, I don't need another thing I don't want to dust anything else. Somebody say amen right there. I told my wife, which I said, more power to her, but I said, man, I wouldn't care if there was no pictures on the wall. I mean, no nothing. Just something to say to you. Thank God for women. Amen. Amen. 
I don't like hanging pictures. Somebody say amen. It's just something else to collect dust. Now, I know I, all you women got off of me right there. I know. It's all right to have nice things, but life does not, thank God, life don't consist in the abundance of things. Nothing wrong with having them. I'm just saying this morning, the further you go down life's road, the less they mean to you. Used to, I, man, I wanted a brand new shiny vehicle. How many of y'all like it? I was like that. And if you got one, hallelujah. But I mean, even when you in your 20s, you just, you just like to have a really nice vehicle so you can drive it to Walmart and somebody can ram her <laughs> door right in your nice shiny vehicle. Isn't that right? Or so you can park all the way at the end and get soaking wet just so you don't get a scratch on it, you know. Been there and done all that. I was sitting in Walmart the other day and a lady just slammed her door right into with me sitting there. I at least thought she'd have said, I'm sorry. She looked at me like I did something. (laughs) I thought, God bless her. Just one more mark on that machine that doesn't matter. But you know what? The things of this life. That's not what life's about. I tell you, this means more to me than anything. I need this place. I have a place to come to, meet with God. Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. I mean, to have a place to come and, and get, your, get your prayers answered. And I know God can answer prayer at home, but I'm glad there's people here that prays for me. Somebody sent me a text this week and said, Preacher, I just want you to know I'm praying for you. Hey, that means something to me. It means something when people pray for you. They may not know where you're at, but God knows. And the th- fact that God touched their heart and said, Pray for him. Has anybody ever said that to you when you were going through something and it meant something? I'm talking about, hey, this morning you may be facing an impossible situation. I'm going to tell you something. God hadn't let you down yet. And if you'll stay faithful, he'll see you through as we stand this morning. Our heads are bowed. If you need to come this morning, I don't know where you're at or what you're facing, but I can tell you this. I've heard Brother David and him sing this song many times. He won't just get you by. He'll see you through. God will see you through your impossible situation this morning. If you need to come, you let the Holy Spirit help you while we sing.